I'm sorry for the back and forth. Um, the last couple of weeks have been pretty nuts, but uh, rewarding at the same time. So y'all, y'all have have a great week. And oh well, hold, hold on, hold on. Tell everybody why you were so busy over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we had our um, our baby Grant um, that arrived, our first child, uh, last Friday. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and you sent yeah. me an email saying, uh, "Well, have you gotten a night's sleep yet?" Is that? <laughs> yeah, actually, last night, um, it's been, I guess, 10 days. Last night was the first night that I um, I got to sleep through the night. Well, you didn't have to change the diaper. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, um, well, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Have a Thank very you. good day, and we'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Ready to do a countdown? Okay. Oh, hey, maybe Steve should do Steve, it. Steve, yeah, do do the uh, do the visitor countdown. Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, this is Stamp Show Steve, and you are listening to Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode 124. I'm Cash, and for ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the hmm. Hi, I'm Cash, and what? Take two. Take two. I'm Cash, and I for one like Roman numerals. <laughs> it's one of his better ones. <laughs> I don't- where that came from. <laughs> Hi, I'm Stamp Show Steve. Also, Steve, Steve, uh, take two. Well, at least we're consistent. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, I got to get my giggles out. Hi, I'm Steve Patillo, also known as Stamp Show Steve. This is Tom. Hey, Cash. What do you call a murder of crows? What do you call oh, a murder shit. of crows? No, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you people. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> hey, Cash, what do you call a group of crows? A murder. What do you call just two crows? I don't know. Attempted murder. Aww. I had to get a bad joke just like you have. Uh, I don't get it. Uh, yeah. Crickets, please. Mm-hmm. Don't hear those crickets no more. I'm not going to make it. You hang in there. You hear me? Listen to me. I want you to take care of my kids. I will. And I want you to be there whenever there's a bad joke. Let them know. Let them know. Gee, I hope I didn't scare the cows. I don't want to put them in a bad mood. I don't think no. There's no crickets on that one, and I don't have mine hooked up. <laughs> don't oh, worry. Convenient. I'm, I'm putting the new it's one in. Convenient. I can't cricket myself. I'm putting the new one Ribbit. in. Ribbit. <laughs> and I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn. Look at him. <laughs> He's laughing at me. <laughs> I know a lot of ideas run through my head. If I just said that. <laughs> well, when I'm when I'm at a stamp show, I'm the table maiden. Mm-hmm. The table maiden. The table maiden. Yes. Uh, that could be twisted too. 
Yeah. Find me someone here who isn't twisted. <laughs> <laughs> it's a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> you know, someone asked you, uh, I read a bio on someone today, and they said they were quirky. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's kind of a, oh, okay, got my attention. Yes, yeah, quirky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we'll get along fine. <laughs> Go ahead. Guilty. Mm. I've listened to, I think, one or two. You need to listen to more. Okay. We are educational and informative. Oh, no, don't tell people it's educational. They don't like that. <laughs> tell them that it's informative, yes, but not educational. Mm. How about entertaining and informative? We're infotainment. We're infotainment, yes. I like that better. Infotainment. Okay. It just when you let me know when you got the nympho on it. The nymphotainment. <gasps> we have to edit that out. I'm sorry. <sighs> it's a family show, Steve. Oh, darn it. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the podcast. After being on this podcast with Scott English, the C3A inverted jenny sold by the APS got a whopping $295,000. Also, we want to wish a very happy birthday, belated, to our good friend of the show, Marcel. Hey, Marcel. Haven't seen him in a while. Talking about Marcel Vin? Marcel Sleeker. Mm-hmm. Well, we got, don't see him that often. He has, he has an he excuse. He lives in the Netherlands. Yeah, he lives... Mm-hmm. Uh, 4,800 miles away, or whatever it is. That would be close, I think, wouldn't it? <laughs> how, how Actually, yeah. 3,000 just to New York. New York, yeah. yeah. So is there any other 1,800 across the Atlantic? Is that all it is? I think so. I think it's 4,800. Marcel, write us. Tell us how far away. Hold on. Hold on. I will say ping, and then Marcel, send me an email of when you heard this. <laughs> Why don't you and that way we will determine the speed of light. Dear Lord, Can't man. Can you just Google them? Ping. Can't you just Google them? It'll tell you how many hours it'll take to get there. Tom's pulling Speaking up Google Maps. Speaking about officials. By the way, how is your chicken collection? Hold on. I'm, tr- I'm racing. Uh, I don't do hold on. I do wait a moment, though. Santa <laughs> Anna to the Hague, comma, Holland. What did we do before Google? We Encyclopedia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No route found. I guess I shouldn't have done this in Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> What's an encyclopedia? Yeah, okay, hold on. Riveting radio. Absolutely. Thank God for editing. Mm-hmm. And it is. It is. Why didn't this not show up? Moving right along. I know, right? 5,586.48 miles or 8,990.57 kilometers. As okay. the crow flies? As the two crows fly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Los Angeles to Amsterdam, 5,551. Because one couldn't fly it by himself. Mm. Nobody's going to say your arms would get tired? Scott's not here. That would be his joke. I'm going to cricket Scott's joke, even though he's not here. (laughs) Next. Next. Back to the podcast previously Mm -hmm. in session. Mm -hmm. This day in history. In 1869, Susan B. Anthony established the women's suffrage movement. You read that wrong. No, I didn't. She didn't suffer? (laughs) 
she's a woman. She's not falling for your joke. <laughs> oh, you've been suffering, <laughs> weasel. <laughs> That's even better than if she had said the joke. <laughs> okay, never mind the joke. <laughs> we have another this day in history, though. We do. Yeah, let's do this one for real. Okay, on this day in history in 1862, Lincoln established the Department of Agriculture. Yep, agriculture. Uh, there was le- legislation in the U.S. Congress in 1873 that said that uh, the departments had to issue their own stamps so that there was accountability in their mailing. And if you look in the Scott's catalog, agriculture is the first one. So let's talk about agriculture official stamps. How about that? Oh, let's do that. Sounds good. I think they're just listed first in the catalog because A for agriculture. Uh, <laughs> maybe they weren't the first ones listed. Actually. I mean, issued? The first ones issued in this. Executive department? That's it. Thank you. They were issued for the president first and then everybody else got theirs later. Every, everybody else was at the same time, but the executive was first. I knew the reason why I liked the executives best, but also because the likelihood of Ulysses S. Grant handling a lot of them. Oh, <laughs> oh the silence is deafening. No, no, no. I would, yes, Ulysses S. Grant was the first. Yeah, you were correct. You know your stuff. Of course he did. A little bit. Yep, a little bit. They don't he, call him Stamp Show Steve for nothing. That's it. U.S. Grant was the first person to use a executive official stamp. An idea that every time I handle one of those at President Ulysses S. Grant actually touched and handled those stamps kind of kind of neat yeah yeah that is that is <laughs> well, was the first president was he the only president no they uh they went on for well, who's after him Winfield Scott yeah but how long did uh how long did official stamps were they issued they went on until uh I've got it here seven eighteen eighty four 1884. They short-lived. I think that's Chester Arthur. Oh, your favorite. Ooh, my Chet. favorite. My favorite. And then uh, in 1910 to 1914, right before World War One, they also used them for the postal savings stamps. What was the What was the year span again? 1910 to 1914. Postal savings. Postal savings stamps officials. Yes. Yeah, that that, that was a totally different thing, though. And what were they used for? Postal savings was uh, there. There weren't banks in faraway little towns so you were able to buy postal savings stamps and use them as a bank account up to like a buck or two sounds very confusing and awkward it was incredibly Mm -hmm. confusing and awkward and that's why they did away with it along with a lot of other things that there's onesies and twos of well another thing is you know we on the internet you know we we know that this is ridiculous but back then you didn't have communication at all so as the mail system started picking up all of a sudden, these little faraway little towns that you, you know. Are now connected. They're all connected by mail now. And so you did, You actually had banks going into these areas where before there was no banking. So you didn't need to buy the postal savings stamps. Still confusing. Yeah. But those are different uh, from uh, the official stamps. And the officials, that's one where you really have to watch out for them. Because like all the banknotes. Uh, you have gum problems, you have perforation problems, you have the opportunity to remove cancels, things like that. So, um, 
Why is it that you can complete officials in a set of proofs, you can complete them mint, you can complete them with no gum, but you cannot complete them used? You are correct. They are incredibly tough used, except for a couple of them. Which I believe are the State Department high values. Oh, those are impossible. Yeah, some of those exist in like less than 100. But the but on the other side, you have like the Treasury Department and they the 90 center, which is very rare on all the other issues, is relatively common because yes. they were shipping gold and bullion and stuff like that. Okay. People were paying you're, you're to ship big stuff. You're talking about the Interior Department. The, 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 I well, the, the Interior Department, that, that set is relatively inexpensive so also. Dollars, fifteen dollars for the ninety center. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I find w- that to be totally inverse as to what it should be. Yeah, I wonder what they shipped that took ninety cents. The interior department, maybe they were shipping in like soil samples and stuff like that. Soiled samples. Soiled samples. Soil samples. Interior department, they were shipping curtains. Oh yeah, there you go. Tom, you're our expert now at the table for expertizing. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about regumming and reperfing on these banknote issues. Dude, you didn't tell me to do this earlier. Come on. Uh, <laughs> You're killing welcome. me, Smalls. <laughs> welcome to my world. It, it seems like I said we said I was going to ask you the questions. Oh, well. It seems like there's relatively a very short supply of mint original gum examples. Most of the interior or most of the officials seem to be no gum. Mm-hmm. And or used. And again, you cannot complete a set of used. And it's just like, why not? Well, they're, they're actually so much rare, more rare than the regular banknotes that when they were put into albums and stuff, people used big paper hinges and stuff like that. I have seen very few that weren't like the one, two, and three cent that were never hinged. I, I don't think I've ever seen a higher value one. The only... Again, the interior seems to be the most plentiful of mint with original gum. Yeah. And uh, again, like you said, the one, one cent, two cent, there are some chunks or multiples and an occasional sheet show up. But it seems like there is no supplier. Or, or, I mean, you've got to remember these were used by cabinet officials. And uh, anything remainder are almost like, uh, I don't want to say printer's waste, but it's cabinet <coughs> members' waste in mm-hmm. a way, leftovers. <laughs> That how did they get out? Well, we did. Did the public have an opportunity to buy quote from the post office? Uh, no. Well, they did the specimens later that you could the purchase. Specimens, but, which I really like. Yeah, those are fun, but those because, are really rare when you get some of them. You're talking special printing paper. Yeah. Which and again, and, and there you go. If you if people are looking for a sample of what a special printing is on the early banknotes, go and buy a couple of the low-value officials, yep. and you have a sample of what the rare early banknotes are. Oh, there is one cool one. I've seen many of the one-cent sheets that have the imprint for the continental banknote, but they're actually nationals. National. Yeah. And so the continental is worth, for I think the War Department or the Interior, one or the other, I forget which one it is, uh, it's like, $12 for the national, and it's like $240 for the Again, continental. you're talking about the wove paper versus soft porous paper? Yeah, exactly. 
And so, you know, people go, well, it's got to be continental. It says it here in the imprint. And it's like, no, those no. were printed by the national, even though it says continental. And I, w- I wasn't aware of that. So it'd be interesting. A, a printed contradiction. Yes, an absolute. I like that, an yeah. oxymoron. If you look at it, it's, it says continental banknote, and it's actually national. Um, I, years ago, and I don't, I, I never really had an opportunity to do this, but there were some of the leading specialists in the area were starting to use micrometers on mm-hmm. checking the thicknesses of the paper also to determine the differences. Yeah, and it fell flat. Did it? Yeah, because the hitches is that you can press paper, and it's not the thickness of the paper that matters. It's the sizing in the paper. It's okay. the starch that was used in the paper. So it probably gave you a relatively good thing. So, but, so you should not use bleach when soaking stamps? <laughs> that would re- It does remove the sizing, but there's still enough sizing left so that you can tell the difference. It's not like you're going to soak a continental stamp into, or excuse me, to soak a national stamp and turn it into a continental. Then I, my recommendation is uh, Shackley Basic H soap, which is all natural, mm-hmm. which I actually used yesterday for a stamp that I submitted today. Mm-hmm. Oh. To remove the soiling. Oh, yeah. Well, I use a, I use a small touch of bleach and a small touch of hydrogen peroxide. And then I will also put soap in it. I use none of the above except for the Shackley or the natural soap. Yeah, well, I, I mostly... And it cleaned it up. Yeah, I mostly use, uh, or I mostly collect 1851s, and the three-cent stamp is the most common. One of the reasons why they look dingy is because the ink has metallic properties to it, so it literally rusts. Rests. And the hydrogen peroxide removes that. You'll have the paper that gets soiled or sulfurated. So you just so mentioned, the bleach does there, and then you have you're crap using, on it. You're using you'll, a combination of a drop of bleach and a drop of hydrogen peroxide. How? Are, what's your formula? not a drop of hydrogen peroxide? I'd probably use half water and half hydrogen peroxide. Okay. And then put a little bit of bleach in it, like you said, a, a, drop, a drop or two. Yeah. Well, more than that, but you know, a very, very, very small amount of it bleach. It doesn't have a contradiction with the the bleach and the the, the bleach. The, excuse me, with the bleach and the hydrogen peroxide. No. There's not no. a problem with it. No, nothing is exploded yet for by uh, <laughs> combining the chemicals. <laughs> but it does clean up U.S. number 11s and number Kids sevens. Kids don't and try stuff. this at home. <laughs> oh, well, I know a person who used to clean their stamps with benzene. And first of all, I don't think it works. And second of all, that's evil stuff. Um, I think the chemical used today for brightening and cleaning is called energine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I've seen that. Yes. yes. And it does not affect the gum. I've seen a cake pan full of probably a good couple hundred grams of stamps all thrown in together, Zeppelin plate blocks and mm-hmm. Colombians, you name it, it was thrown in to the soup all at once, never affects the gum, Yes, but brightens and removes soil and brightens stamps. Yep, yep. Where and do we get energy from? I don't know. You buy just online. Oh, oh, oh there we go. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get realistic, you know, old-timey, and this is something that I suggest nobody use, but you get urine and you let it stabilize and then you filter out the top and that's a bleaching agent. 
And that's what they used to use before World War One to clean their stamps. Well, it's and also it, good for acne. Oh, ooh, that that took a bad turn. Yeah, well, bef- before uh, before World War One, it was a the leading bleaching agent, and yeah, and right. in the like the 1700s, 1600s, it was the only bleaching agent. Really, yeah. Today we have Justin Beard on the phone. Justin is the Chief Operating Officer at HIP eCommerce and oversees all account management, customer support, and new seller growth. Prior to HIP eCommerce, Justin was the founder of Snap Yeti, an online marketplace for photo contests where he grew an active user base of over 100,000 members in less than one year. He enjoys working with startups and joined Mark at HIP eCommerce commerce after the bid start acquisition to help grow the business so it says here hip e-commerce a lot but is it hip stamp uh so hip e-commerce is really our family uh, uh family company under hip e-commerce we own and operate three different websites we have hipstamp.com hippostcard.com and hipcomic.com so those are the three verticals that we work in, with Hipstamp being the, the largest one. Well, excellent. Sounds like you're a computer guy. Do you collect stamps also? I have recently started collecting them. Uh, you know, we started doing our, our weekly auction events. Uh, basically, what we do is each week we work with a handful of, uh, of sellers Right now, we've got about $40,000 in total retail that go to auction every week at one penny. And uh, so I've found some great deals in there, and that's kind of what started uh, my interest in, in collecting. So there's, you know, there's some good deals. And also, one of my favorite uh, stamps that I have was given to me by my partner, Mark, and his wife. Uh, they gave uh, me a penny black with my initials on it, and they gave my wife uh, a penny red with her initials on it. And that you know, told us the backstory about the penny black and penny red, and that was very interesting, kind of got us, got us started in collecting. Oh, that's cool. So uh, let's get to the chase. Why is hip stamp better than eBay? Sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, hip stamp was really built for stamp collectors from the ground up. Uh, number one, if you're a buyer, um, we've got a great catalog system that we use for our search engine. So when somebody searches for an item, uh, you're going to get exactly what you're looking for. Uh, versus on eBay, they're really displaying items based on the title. So you don't get exactly what you're looking for. Um, so I'd say that if you're you're coming in, you're a stamp collector, and you know what you're looking for, then our search engine is going to be uh, far superior. Next, if you like great deals, we do do our weekly auction event where we have $40,000 in total retail. Uh, they all start at one penny. Um, they start on Thursdays and end the following Thursday. And then additionally, we send out our own promotions uh, at Hipstamp. So, for example, last week we did a promotion where if people spend $475, then we will, um, we will send them $100. So we try to keep things interesting and, and Keep it mixed up for the buyers. Wow! And on the selling side, um, you know, it's really a no-brainer for for sellers. We do not have listing fees. We never will have listing fees. 
Uh, as far as uh, a monthly subscription, we have a basic subscription, which is $5 a month. That allows people to list up to 10,000 listings. Uh, and that goes up to $45 a month, which allows people to list up to a million listings. So it's, it's certainly affordable. Um, if somebody is selling on eBay, uh, they can use our eBay Sync feature, which basically will automatically, within an hour, uh, display all of the eBay listings on HipStamp. Uh, it brings over the images, description, shipping, really everything. And then if something sells on HipStamp, we'll automatically pull it from eBay. If it sells on eBay, we automatically pull it from HipStamp. So it's you know a great way for people to sell in two different places and not have to do any additional work. Wow, that's interesting. Although you brought up the search engine, and I understand that. I you know exhibit and I look for things. And it is so frustrating to put in, you know, an eight, I'm looking for an 1851 three-cent stamp, and all of a sudden motorcycle parts start showing up in the search results. Right. And I don't know why, you know, I don't know what 1851 is in a motorcycle, but for some reason I get flooded with them. Um, let me ask you a question. How do you make money? <laughs> so we make money uh, two ways. One, we have, uh, you know, our store fees. And then we also take 8% uh, sale fee for any purchase. Oh, so okay. those are really our, Good. our two drivers. So you take a commission on the sales? Yes, we do take a commission on the sale. And then we have um, our store fees, which are very affordable when you look at you know, them compared to other marketplaces. Okay. So what is your commission on the sales? It's 8%. And that's for any store level. It doesn't matter. It's just a flat 8%. So if a person wants to put something into auction, do you handle that also? Yes. So we do have, uh, for buy it now and fixed price items, there's, there's no listing fees. If someone does uh, want to do an auction, it's three cents per auction. Uh, and then it's still going to be 8% on the total sales fee. Well, you know, just the search function makes me want to go on there and buy stamps. And if it, you only charge when something sells, that seems like kind of a no-lose option for me. And I'm a large seller on eBay. That sounds pretty good. Right. And that's, you know, that's part of why we've been growing our community so quickly since the acquisition. Because uh, we do provide you know, a, a very focused stamp community and marketplace for buyers and sellers to connect. And we, we really try to, uh, to work with sellers and not have... Um, you know, crazy fees and listing fees and high store fees and things of that nature. Uh, you know, what we really want to do is, um, you know, just grow and, and build as many buyers and sellers and, and listings on the site as we can. Yeah. How do you sell better online? What makes stuff sell on HipStamp? Can you give us some sales tips? Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, so I think number one is, is email marketing. Uh, that that by far is the number one revenue driver for us and also for our sellers. Uh, so there's just some tips around email marketing to try to keep things focused here. Um, you know, we, we work with sellers and we actually do the email marketing for our sellers. So uh, we help them you know, set up promotions and send out newsletters uh, to really ensure that uh, they're connecting with their past customers uh, in a very effective way. So, uh, clean call to action is, is number one. Uh, you know, you don't really want to create a newsletter that goes out to you know, your thousand past customers that tells your life story. 
you want to quickly let them know, hey, I've got a promotion going on. It's 20% off uh, U.S. items. And here's a few, you know, here's a few items for them, you know, to pique their interest with an with a easy link for them to go view the rest of the items. So really clear call to action. Get straight to the point. Uh, you want to have a large enough discount. So typically, you know, 10% discount. Uh, we, we've tried that a bunch. It really doesn't, doesn't work as well as, say, 15, 20, 25%. And that's not to say that you have to set up a promotion on all items in your store. You know, if you've got 30,000 items, you know, as long as you're picking, you know, a thousand items, a category with a thousand items, uh, you know, you can set up the email to do the promotion on that, um, which will drive people to the store because they like a deal. When they get to the store, they're going to see those items that are on sale, but most likely they're also going to spend time and find other items that aren't on sale and they'll make purchases that way. So those are a, a couple of things. And I'd also say consistency. So if you're going to be embarking on email marketing, you know, don't send out one newsletter and say, all right, we're good to go, and, you know, wait three or four months for your next one. You know, typically a biweekly newsletter, a monthly newsletter, uh, is really going to be what, uh, what it takes to get those people's attention because, you know, they've got, you know, hundreds of new emails that are coming in every day. So you, you've got to be very hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that is a good one. So any other little tips? Uh, really look at what the market's doing. Uh, so we've got a, a tool called Hit Value, uh, where what we've done is we've we've researched, we found all the data on over 10 million listings that have previously sold uh, on VidStart as well as HipStamp. And uh, with that Hit Value feature, you can you can see what a certain country catalog uh, number, you know, what the Hit Value is. So it's not really the average, but uh, it's taking all of those listings, what they sold for, and giving you uh, an approximate idea for for what people are paying for that item. You know, that's going to be the median, so it, it's better quality, it might be more, lower, it might be less. Uh, but that's really a good indicator for um, just understanding the market and what, what things are selling for. So HIP value? Correct. And you access that directly through HIP stamp, obviously. Yeah, so we automatically, uh, through our HIP stamp auction, uh, main auction event, that's the Thursday penny auction event, we put the HIP value on every single uh, stamp listing um, just so people can get comfortable and understand you know, how the feature works. And then if they'd like to, they can pay you know, five, ten bucks a month to basically see what hit value is for all of the listings as they're viewing, um, you know, they're viewing them in, in the site. So it's sort of like an app that comes up on hip value as you're bidding for the stamps. You can see what that stamp actually sold for in the past. Exactly. And not only does it show the hip value, but it also shows um, how many sales that you know, we're basing the hip value on. So if an item's $25 and that's based on 270 sales, we know that's pretty accurate. Uh, versus if it's $300 and it's based on you know, seven sales, then you, you, you're not really sure. So we, we provide people with a link that they can click and they can actually see the listings that have sold so they can get a better price comparison for those. That, to be honest with you, that has helped me as a as a new time collector and just jumping into the community, uh, really understand, you know, am I buying a good deal? Is this, you know, is this something, am I, am I paying too much? Uh, that hit value has been very, very powerful. Well, I'll tell you that uh, 
in addition to the search, that to me sounds like a fantastic reason to start using HipStamp. And, I, you know, I haven't used it before. I'm not, this isn't a commercial. We're just like trying to find out, you know, what all is out there for everybody. But if you have something that basically records past sales, that's something that is very valuable and something that's heavily missing on eBay. I mean, on eBay, it's really a shot in the dark a lot of times. You're saying eBay does not have records of past sales? Well, you can go to completed sales and completed do a search. Completed sales, okay. But I believe that's only for 90 days. And the more data, the better the price, the better the median. I mean, you know that because of condition, things can go really high and really low. So you take that into account. But if you're a normal collector just trying to complete a set. You have no gauge. You have no gauge whatsoever. Well, and you can look up the completed values on eBay, but you can't necessarily, unless you're going to have to do all the math to come up with a median on your own. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. No, well, go, what's a medium? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it sounds like you put a lot of um, specific stamp collector items into hip stamp that, uh, yeah, makes it a little bit better than eBay. And I like the fact that uh, you can do on both. So you don't have to. It Split a, your stock. It says as of 8.20 a.m., 300,000 new stamps just listed. Because you send me an e, e, e blast. Uh, it seems like, well, yeah, every two weeks it is. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on uh, the podcast yeah. is because well, I get them too. Sometimes even more frequent. Every three or four days you send me a uh, – and I've deleted most of them because I, I don't go to most things. However, <laughs> now that uh, we're having a discussion about you, I may investigate and may, may end up participating in the future. I also, I want to comment on your logo. Why don't you tell everybody what your logo is? <laughs> the um, hip stamp. So actually, that was uh, a part of Mark's wife's idea. She, you know, she came up with it. Um, and and Mark is uh, a pretty good designer. So he he went ahead and put the uh, put the H on there and put the uh, mustache and you know, oh, there you go. history. <laughs> I see it now. Yeah, it's sort of like hip stamps, sort of like uh, those hip guys with the bicycles with the big wheel in front. Yeah. <laughs> so what is Mark's last name that you keep mentioning? Um, so Mark uh, Mark Rosenberg. Oh, I know, I know Mark. Just Yeah, quick, kind of quick history. I'm sure you, you know, people have, are, are hearing hip stamp on the, on the podcast today, but um, I'm sure that they've heard of, uh, of Mark and his work in the, in the past. Yes, so, bid start. Um, this is really kind of what uh, what got me on board and got me really excited about uh, working for Mark and, and joining the team. So Mark started out, I think his father, Leonard, has always been a, a stamp dealer. And, you know, he just kind of grew up in, the, in a family of stamp dealers and started a company, uh, Stamp Once, that, that spun out yes. into a uh, mm-hmm. start in uh, you know, early 2000s, kind of similar to... Uh, similar to eBay, it was a marketplace for all kinds of different collectibles, um, stamps, postcards, you know, you name it. And the company grew, especially in the in the stamp side, uh, to a point that uh, Stanley Gibbons had, had acquired uh, BidStart uh, so they could have their own, own marketplace. And that was in, in 2012. So Mark had went over and worked for them for a while. And um, after a few years, I think he was you know, kind of ready to move on and, and do his own thing. So he was going to start a, a marketplace for comics, which was Hip Comic. Um, and then right around August of, of last year, through a series of events, 
he was presented the opportunity to basically reacquire his old company back uh, from Stanley Gibbons. And uh, and so he, he took that opportunity. You know, he'd, he'd worked with these people for so long uh, as far as the, you know, the buyers and the sellers and wanted to ensure that they were still going to have uh, you know, an incredible place to, to buy and sell goods. So reacquired it back. And, you know, since that time, the day that I started was the day that uh, he had to move all of the sellers from it start to uh, hip stamp. So my first day I was there until about 2.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like from that day on, we've just gone the same speed. So we've, um, you know, gone from about 80,000 in sales to over 300,000 in sales. And in a very short amount of time, and, and we're continuing to grow pretty rapidly. So, so hip stamps um, is a byproduct of hip, bid start. Bid start turned into hip stamps. Yes. Okay. But the uh, bid start, hip start. Excuse me. See that? <laughs> I was talking with uh, Tom before the podcast. And I said, I have to watch out because I'm going to call you hip start for the rest of the podcast. It's not, it's hip stamp. <laughs> I want to ask a very simple question. How does one participate? Now, I'm on your website looking at the U.S. stamps, and I want to bid. How do I go about it? I have to register. I have to, uh, what do yeah, I have to yeah, do? That was, yeah, do a call to action here. So it was um, kind of coming out a, a little bit, but I believe the question was, you know, if you're interested, you're checking out the site, you know, how do you get started uh, in bidding? So if, for example, you go to hipstamp.com, you check out our, our Thursday penny auction event, uh, then you would simply just need to log in. Uh, if you had an account at BidStart, you can log in with your old BidStart information. Uh, if not, just sign up. It's completely free. Uh, then place your bid. And... Uh, Let's say something's currently, uh, you know, high bid of five dollars. If you place a bid of ten, uh, we would go in and, and make your next bid to be, you know, five dollars and ten cents. So if nobody outbids that, it stays at five ten. Um, but if people continue to you know, bid higher, we will will do some proxy bidding for you, to, you know, until it gets to ten dollars. Um, does that make sense? It's, pretty much ensures that people are going to pay the least amount of possible and we're going to you know, continue to increase your bid for you. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with us, Justin. You're very welcome. I did okay. want to say that um, if there's anybody out there that is interested in selling, uh, if you create a store, you can email justin at hipstamp.com and just mention that you heard us on Stamp Share here today and I'll be happy to give you two months free uh, for selling with us to get started. Cool. Excellent. What methods of payment right. do you receive for Oh, yeah, for that's items? a good one. How, how do people pay? Uh, so everybody has a, a PayPal account. No, they don't. Um, I don't. And well, everybody who's... Uh, directly, directly through PayPal, um, and, and that's how we handle it. You can People can choose to accept check and money order, but it's not available by default. So it's only and if you they only want to pay, they don't have to pay through PayPal. They can also pay with their credit or debit card. Okay, that's my excellent, question. excellent. Well, thank you very much. All right, thank you all very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Cash. Uh, should we peter out or should we end abruptly? <laughs> Wrong choice. <laughs> peter. Peter. <laughs> it's up to you. I got places to go. Okay, I guess we're ending abruptly then. I guess we are.
What about the modern officials? Oh, the modern officials. Yeah, that's an interesting one. When when did they start? 1978, was it? Something like that, yeah. And and they're still issuing a few of them. I'm not ex- exactly certain what the purpose is for all these things. And uh, I think it was, Army Department uses, I believe, the most of them. Again, I, accountability. Yeah, yeah, I doubt it. I, uh, I think it was for uh, collecting. I think it was to get more money out of collectors. To be quite frank, because you you buy the stamps mint, and don't get your money back, and you can never use them. So. Right. Eh. That's my conspiracy side. However, I've seen a few people there. I think there is a uh, statute, statute, or statute, mm-hmm. statute in in the postal code that there is an allowance. However, I'm not aware what it is, but I have seen uh, people like Andy use uh, postage dues and officials on their mail for first class mail. So he found it. Yep. Well, okay. You have a pre-recorded outro. I do. Bye bye. thank you for joining us this has been cash scott tom and i'm your host Don. continue the conversation at stamp show here today on facebook you can ask us questions see pictures of the stamps make comments and add to the conversation on facebook you can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Poser Incorporated. And we're in Long Island, New York, in New Jersey. And our philosophy of Gary Poser Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on 9 out of 10 collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on one out of two and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279. And again, my name is Bob Prager.